Record. Okay. Let's do it. Where the hell else do you go to work? That's a stiff shot. And Ricky, I think you don't like me. I don't give a damn. At least he said damn. Could have been worse. Shut your mouth. Keep buying my dolls. Buy my t-shirts. Yeah. The economy might be bad. There's a lot of you out there suffering. Guess what? I ain't one of them. Honestly, I think that best describes the main event of Against All Odds 2005. I literally just found that right now, and I thought, you know what? This is probably the best way to open up the show. Welcome to another edition of Brace for Impact, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Nate the Effin' Great. And as I mentioned before, I'm going to be talking about Against All Odds 2005. This was a bit of an interesting show because we kicked off the year pretty well. And this one is one where it's like, that's a small slope down, but not an incredible slope down. But I'll explain more as the review goes on. Against All Odds took place on February 13th, 2005 in the Impact Zone in lovely Florida, Orlando, with an attendance of 775 people, with actually more were outside of the arena than were inside. They actually had to turn some people away for not only this show, but also for the next show, Destination X. But they got a buy rate of 20000 for pay-per-view buys. Honestly, that's pretty impressive, to say the least to keep that trend going. But like I said before, that's going to be the trend for the time being until we reach next year. Then you will definitely see some more fluctuating in pay-per-view buy rates going up. So I actually wanted to do this quick before we go too deep into the show because there were some pre-matches that actually took place, two of which uh, were tag team matches. We had Phi Delta Slam, uh, Bruno Sassi, and Big Tilly defeated... Lex Lovitz and Buck Quartermain and Harris Brothers, Don Harris and Ron Harris. They defeat Mikey Batts and Jarrell Clark. I did not see these matches, so there's really no need for me to grade these matches or really talk too much about them. We go into the opening package of Against All Odds, and honestly, it's a really good one because it's all about than now. They talk about a little bit of the past, but it's all about what you do in the present. They talk about the 30-minute Iron Man match for the X Division title. They talk about Full Metal Mayhem, and they talk about the NWA World Heavyweight Championship matchup main event. So, it was a really good opening package. I really do like the fact that they try to make it as dramatic as possible, and it turns out really nice. It really does. Uh, before we get into the first matchup, we have Shane talking to... Uh, Larry Zabisco, as well as the lawyer for Jeff Jarrett, Dagger. Yes, there's a lawyer named Dagger. I think he probably just kills in the courtroom. I don't know. Uh, basically, there's a big issue between Jeff Jarrett and Dusty Rhodes because Dusty made the stipulation that if Jeff Jarrett uses the guitar in the main event, he will be disqualified and he will lose the NWA World Heavyweight Championship to Kevin Nash. Considering the fact that most of these matches Almost seem like they're all no DQ matches anyway. It doesn't seem like that really matters too much. Uh, Scott Hudson gets a chance to be outside of Kevin Nash's door. Basically talk about how he's being super fo focused and he's got all these people coming in here. And he even mentions the longest yard, which actually comes out of that year, which I think was funny that they mentioned that. Longest yard was honestly a really good movie. And I really do love the role that Kevin Nash played in that it is one of my favorite Kevin Nash movie roles. But we open up the show with Petey Williams with Coach Damore taking on Elix Skipper. And honestly, when you start off any matchup with a with an X Division title deal, any pay-per-view, you start with an X Division title deal, you're going to have a great one. And honestly, I've said nothing but good things about... Petey Williams and Elix Skipper. Elix Skipper actually made his pay-per-view singles debut on the last show against Sanjay Dunt, 
And P.D. Williams is just coming off of his X Division title loss to AJ Styles in the Ultimate X match. So it's kind of one of those things where Skipper and Williams are just trying to prove themselves as to be the next contender for the X Division Championship. They do announce during this matchup that there will be an Ultimate X match at Destination X next month to determine the number one contender for the X Division Championship. So... You got to see it in the last pay-per-view. You get to see it again at Destination X. And honestly, Destination X is the perfect way and the perfect place to showcase the X Division. We have a nice uh, top rope arm drag by Skipper, followed by a slingshot Hurricane Rana onto the outside by Pete Williams. I love that these guys have this fast-paced deal. It's just great. We get the classic, Oh, Canada, from Pete Williams. Just love that every single time. Uh... P. Williams goes for a springboard crossbody from the corner, but Skipper does this kind of matrix move where he dodges it, and he eventually gets a butterfly superplex onto P. Williams, which looked absolutely beautiful. We get a nice reverse suplex onto the top rope by Skipper to P. D. Williams, and then Skipper goes up, hits a guillotine leg drop on. P. Williams, who's just draped over that top rope. It looked absolutely great. Uh, the classic head scissors to the leg sweep by P. D. Williams. He gets hung up onto the top ropes, and Skipper tries to reenact what he did at Turning Point, where he just does a walk on the ropes. He's going to look like he's going to do the head scissors, but Coach Demore actually grabs the leg of P. D. Williams, and Skipper just eats the canvas. We see him go go into a setup for the Canadian Destroyer. It looks like P is about to hit it, but we see him get caught by Skipper into an air raid crash, which he calls the sudden death. And they kind of hyped up the fact that Skipper was going to debut a new finishing move at this show. So seeing that move was actually really cool. Uh, and Skipper picks up the victory here at 7 minutes and 58 seconds. I gave this a B. This was a really good matchup. Uh, I think that if they would have gone a little bit longer, it probably would have been better. But for what they did for under 10 minutes, it was still really good. I absolutely liked it. Next up, we have Michael Shane and Kazarian taking on the team of BG James and Jeff Hammond with Ron Killings and Conan in their corner. Some of you might be wondering, well, why would BG James be teaming up with Jeff Hammond instead of one of the other members of Free Life Crew? Well... Jeff Hammond, who is a NASCAR driver, is trained to be a wrestler. Michael Shane Kazarian, they're just like, oh, yeah, no, you're not, you're not going to make it as a wrestler. He's like, no, no, you ain't going to do that. You're just a silly celebrity. <laughs> they ain't going to work. So we see Jeff Hammond. He gets involved in a singles match, is victorious, but Michael Shane and Kazarian beat him down. BG James and Three Live Crew, they're just like, oh, well, we'll take you on at against all odds. Kazarian actually had a really clever line in this build-up in the promo where he said NASCAR is non-athletic sports centered around redneck. <laughs> that got a little bit of a chuckle for me. That that was actually really cool. We get the classic three live crew intro where, you know, they just uh, do uh, Conan does his deal where he's like, Arriba la raza. BJ James is about to do his intro, but then he... Says like, oh, what do we call? Oh, okay. You're well. You're gonna, we're gonna run you into the into the wall. So start your engines. So that was kind of a nice little deal. Uh, we get some quick tags by BG and Jeff as they're beating down on Shane. Uh, BG continues the beating down of Kazarian and Michael Shane until they get the advantage by hitting BG in the back with the leg. We get a nice dive onto BG by Kazarian. They also hit this nice tag team move where they kick him in the face and then hit him with a neckbreaker. We see a double clothesline by BG to the, as I dubbed them in this note, the cool dudes. Because I think there was one point where uh, Kazarian and Michael Shane hit a move. It might have been a head scissors or something like that. And I just remember he hearing, and I think it was this. I thought I heard somebody in the crowd going, that was cool, that was cool, that was cool. So I just thought, okay, I'm just going to call them the cool dudes right now. Just because 
Um, Jeff gets tagged in the ring. He does okay. Hits a nice spear to Kaz. Michael Shane, he eats some punches from BG, but then he's able to get him out of the ring. He goes for a super kick on Jeff, but hits Kazarian by mistake. This allows BG to pull Shane out of the ring. And then Jeff does this weird thing where he just kind of runs around, and then he hits a leaping elbow drop, which he calls the pit stop, to pick up the win at 5 minutes and 33 seconds. I gave this one a C. This was not really a particularly good matchup. It did not showcase Michael Shane and Kazarian that well. Uh, I, it's just one of those matches where I feel like they needed to get like some kind of celebrity deal involved in this. And I'm not saying it was horrible. It just was It was okay. Um, I've seen a lot of other celebrities do better in the future time. So I guess for the time it was good. It was just one of those things where it was just kind of like, that's kind of it, huh? Well... It is what it is. So Dusty Rhodes is backstage talking to uh, Trinity and Tracy. Hey, remember when I told you that they were supposed to find two tag teams and bring them to Dusty Rhodes? Uh, so far, they have not resolved that, but it will be resolved come next month. The fact that it's taken two months for this thing to resolve itself makes me really sad. But basically, the lawyer dagger comes in. And he's like, oh, yeah, my client says... He's never used a guitar, and I have unequivocal proof that Jeff Jarrett has never used a guitar in his match, only to play music. To which even I was just like, are you are you kidding me? Just no. You cannot prove that at all. There's literal videotapes, and people have videos on their phones of Jeff Jarrett doing that. You can't prove that. So that was just so dumb. Dusty says... You want me to change the stipulation? Yeah, that's a no-go. Now get out, or it's going to be your turn to be getting the barrel. Which, I never really... I still don't understand that with Dusty. So if anybody understands this deal about, you know, Texans talking about, you know, going into a barrel, please explain that to me on my social media, at Real F and Game on Instagram, as well as on Twitter. I just don't understand it. Next up, we have Raven versus Dustin Rhodes. And the build-up to this is interesting because we see Raven attack a man by the name of Cassidy Riley who was either the son or was a student of Eric Watts basically he broke his fingers and then Dustin tried to ensure that it was not going to happen more more. Raven is ready to fight Dustin at the pay-per-view that just came out of nowhere kind of Uh, Dustin gets the shucky ducky in no, he says, shucky ducky quack quack, to which I'm like, wow, Booker T watched old-fashioned TNA shows. I did not know that. <laughs> That's probably where he got this from. But in the build-up to this, Dustin actually pinned Raven in a six-man tag team match. So leads up to the matchup. Uh, with that kind of build-up, you kind of get the same thing for this matchup. I'm not going to lead you guys on too much with this. Raven spits in Dustin's face to kind of get him a little bit uh, riled up. Dustin takes out Raven's with a takedown and punches. Get a big boot by Dustin. But then his leg gets caught up in the ropes. And Raven starts just working on the leg. Doing like leg breakers, punches to the leg, holds, such like that. Uh, gets some good punches and the disc is clothesline. Drop toe hold into the ankle lock. He does the ankle lock so many times. It's amazing. Uh, both go for their Bulldogs, but doesn't happen until Dustin hits a clothesline. Dustin does this super kick, and during this matchup, he really does not sell his leg all that well. It's just kind of one of those things where, he hit, like, if he hits a big move with his leg, then he'll be like, oh, yeah, 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 my leg's hurt, my leg's hurt. It's like, mm, just not the best. Um, he go, Raven gets another ankle lock in, but then Dustin counters. They go to the outside. Then somehow they get back in the ring. And Raven does a roll-up to Dustin with his feet on the ropes for the victory at 8 minutes and 20 seconds. The two of them fight off against each other. Uh, Raven locks Dustin in a straitjacket, and then he hits him with a trash can to the head, locks him in the turnbuckle. And almost is ready to whip him until Cassie Riley tries to come in to make the save, but he eats a Raven DDT. Uh, then we see him whip security guards, and that's it. 
This was excruciating to get through. I'm not going to lie. I gave this a D. This was the worst matchup of the night. The buildup was horrible. The match itself did absolutely nothing. I feel like Raven is definitely a major hardcore star. And watching him wrestle in regular wrestling matches, there's just not much to really go off of for him. So just kind of really weird. Oh, so... If any of you remember, I was trying to figure out the whole promo deal that was going on during the events last month. Well, apparently, I got my answer on this show. Uh, Triton, spelled try and then tan, just, (laughs) that's legit how it's spelled, Uh, will be debuting this week on TNA Show. So, that's what it was about. It was about a superstar named Triton, who's going to be... Coming in to TNA. Cool. Um, let's just hope that it's nothing too mesmerizing or boring. I don't know. Uh, speaking of boring, actually, no, this was something that I was really sh- surprised to. Um, we have the NWA World Tag Team Title Match: Kid Cash taking on Kid Cash and Lance Hoyt taking on America's Most Wanted. Basically, America's Most Wanted came out saying, like, we're ready to take on all comers. We'll take on Naturals, Michael Shane, and uh, Kaz, and the list of a lot of these tag teams. And then Cash and Hoyt are like, oh, yeah, you know what? Well, we want a title shot. And one of the things that I thought was weird was that they just came out and just proclaimed that they deserved a title shot. But during the match itself, they mentioned the fact that Cash and Hoyt were two-time NWA Tag Team Champions in 2004, And their second reign was actually ended by America's Most Wanted. So that itself actually got me more interested in the match. Like, oh, okay, so they're kind of, they're trying to get some revenge on their tag team loss. So that's kind of nice. Um, But it is kind of one of those weird things where it's like, well, they didn't really seem to earn it. They just automatically got it. Maybe they got it after they beat down a couple of guys, but it just seemed like it was just a, here's a title shot. Okay, thank you. Um taglines for this were five times for America's Most Wanted, but six for Harris and Storm. So what that means is that as a team, they won the titles five times, but as individuals, they've won those tag team titles six times. I've already covered that whole weird deal at the Victory Road show, and I'm not going to go through it again. It is a pain. Otherwise, just look it up on Wikipedia. Uh Question of, can the challengers cash in again? Can they win the titles off of America vs. Wanted, become three-time tag team champions? And they mentioned, like I said, the history uh, with an impact. They mentioned the history between the two of them, and that just made it better. So the start-off was actually very interesting. It was unique because you have Cash and Storm. They're going after each other with like a fast-paced style with just fast-paced moves some arm drag, some fast-paced uh, covers on each other. It was really interesting. And then you go into Harris and Hoyt, and they're just brawling with each other. Legit, like, it looks like Harris was just absolutely pissed at Hoyt at some point. So I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, you got basically two teams that kind of share some similarities and some differences. That's kind of cool. Uh, they do the deal where they toss... Uh, Hoyt into Kid Cash when they do their reverse uh, hip toss and then just toss him into their opponent. I always love that spot. It's it's turning into one of my favorite spots in tag team wrestling here now. Um, Harris throws Storm over the top rope to land on Kid Cash and Hoyt. But then whew, Hoyt decides, you know what? You're out here. Let's have some fun. So he beats down on Storm, does like a nice slam, hitting him on the floor. All throughout the matchup, they're talking that he's got to hurt back and they got to watch that back. And Cash and Hoyt are just going after that back over and over and over again. Uh, a very nice double team moonsault by Cash and Hoyt, where literally uh, Hoyt has Cash in front of him and he does like this kind of like release uh, back suplex to where Cash is able to just do a moonsault a backflip from that point. It looked really cool. Cash locks in a submission maneuver, but he's also covering the nose and the mouth of Storm, causing him to have difficulty breathing, which I thought was actually a very brilliant idea to do as a heel. 
also kind of a mean thing to do when you're thinking about it. It's like, why would you do this to another human being? Oh, because you're supposed to be an, an a-hole. Yeah, got it, got it. Uh, we see a nice twisting moonsault by Cash, a pop-up powerbomb by Hoyt. They're just continually working on Storm. Uh, Storm counters a frog splash by getting his knees up. And then Cash and Storm, they hit a uh, double cross body to each other. Harris takes down Hoyt with a clothesline, a bulldog, and a suplex. So that was really cool. Cash hits a top rope head scissors. Storm catches Cash with the eye of the storm. Hoyt hits a super sidewalk slam from the top rope. I thought that was awesome. Storm, he hits a Frankensteiner on Hoyt, and then he gets and then uh, Harris hits the elbow drop. Cash hits the belt on Storm for a near three count. Harris hits Cash with a spear. And with that, also causes a little bit of a problem because as Cash, as Hoyt, I should say, is going for a move on Storm, Cash rolls into Hoyt's leg, which causes Hoyt to kind of buckle a bit and fall down. We see a super kick by Storm taking Hoyt down. They cuff Kid Cash to the corner. We see a death sentence on Hoyt for the win at 12 minutes and 25 seconds. I gave this a solid A. I honestly really liked the flow of this matchup. I love the story that they told. I think that Kid Cash and Hoyt were a really good team to kind of start off their, you know, very long reign as tag team champions. It was really kind of one of those things where I'm like, well, what have these guys done? But then when they mentioned the history, I'm like, oh, okay, so there's something to kind of go off of. And they demonstrated a really good tag team matchup here. I really loved the chemistry that these two teams had, and it just kind of continues to grow from there. So a limo pulls up, and Shane is basically like, well, tell me who it is. I'm the franchise. I get to know who it is. And all of these security guys are just like, nope, you don't get to see nothing. So never really get the chance to see who. Well, actually, we kind of do get to see who it is a little bit later on in the night. I almost forgot about that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, we get the answer to that a little bit later on. We go up next to Full Metal Mayhem matchup between Jeff Hardy and the Monster Abyss. The hype package is basically of a who gets who deal to where we see highlights of Abyss getting Jeff Hardy and then Jeff Hardy getting Abyss and somebody's going through a table and then all this kind of deal. So Full Metal Mayhem is literally tables, ladders, chairs, but also throw in chains. But there's also an added stipulation to this is that there are not one, but two envelopes hung above the ring. One envelope contains a future world title shot on an episode of TNA Impact Wrestling. The other contains nothing. So literally, this just... I looked at this and I'm like, this has Vince Russo written all over it. Because why would somebody go for a contract that has absolutely nothing in it? And honestly, I thought it was a situation where you pick one contract and then that's what you get and the match is over. So, like, if um, if like Jeff Hardy were to get, you know, the world title shot, it's, it's over. Or if Abyss got the blank one, it's over. So, it's kind of like that. That doesn't make sense at all. But it makes a little bit more sense as time goes on. This is literally the spot fest of the show where we see... Jeff Hardy and Abyss literally like, okay, so what can we do to literally just destroy each other? I've got a couple of ideas. So do I. We get the press slam by Abyss. Jeff Hardy hits his classic leg drop to the groin of Abyss. We get a press slam attempt by Abyss, but he eats a chair. But then Hardy goes for a spot involving the chair, and then Abyss makes him eat the chair as well. Abyss is setting up tables on the outside. So one table, two tables, and then stack two tables on those tables. We see uh, Abyss going for a powerbomb attempt. 
to send Hardy on the outside, but Hardy's able to counter it. And he does a bit of a twist of fate, but he loses his footing, so it kind of looks like he botches it a little bit. Like he went too soon, and Abyss kind of went down a little late. Uh, we get a deal where Abyss and Hardy are kind of doing like this tug of war with the ladder. But then Jeff Hardy is able to wedge that ladder into Abyss, who gets him into a, and gets him into a corner, which allows Jeff Hardy to do a running up the ladder drop kick to the face of Abyss. They, he does the teeter totter ladder spot where he has one ladder on the side and then one ladder on top of that. So think about Armageddon 2006, I believe it was, with Joey Mercury. I believe I am correct with that. <clears throat> uh, so we see Abyss trying to send Jeff Hardy into the ladder, but Jeff Hardy is able to counter it. He leaps off of Abyss. He hits the spot where he's able to teeter-tire the ladder into the face of Abyss. We get that. Abyss gets tangled up in the ropes a little bit. Jeff Hardy goes for a charge, and then Abyss grabs Hardy, does a belly-to-belly -belly over the ropes, and Jeff Hardy goes through a table at ringside, but also part of his body hits the floor. So that was just a, that was a rough spot. We see Abyss set up a table on one of the entryways. And then Jeff Hardy is able to hit a, it looks like a twist of fate. But then he goes climbing up to the top of the entrance tunnel where they have the uh, bars above the pole. So Jeff Hardy leaps off of that, hits a bit of a variation of a swanton bomb. I think he overextended it a little bit so he couldn't hit Abyss. But he still gets some contact on Abyss, I should say that. He gets a larger ladder, climbs up to the top of the ladder, gets the first envelope, which contained nothing. And I'm thinking, well, I guess the match is over. No, there's still the other contract. Oh, okay, so you got to go for the one that has the thing. Okay, then this was an extra step that makes absolutely no sense. So he moves the ladder. He gets it up to the one that has the contract. He's climbing up, but Abyss, he grabs him. He gets knocked off, and then Abyss shoves the ladder uh, with Hardy on it. Hardy goes off of the ladder, out of the ring, into the stack of two, four tables, I should say, on the outside, so thank God for that. Abyss climbs up, he gets the contract, which gives him the world title matchup on a future episode of TNA Impact. Clocking it at 15 minutes and 21 seconds. Despite the fact that there were a couple of botches every now and then, I still gave this one an A because of the fact that they definitely were doing their best to make this matchup fun, crazy, and also just absolutely, you know, full full metal. So, kind of really liked that. Jeff Hardy, after the matchup, he's just all mad. He's kicking. It seems like he's just pissed off at the fact that he can't get that world title shot. Sorry, bud. There's always next time. Next matchup, we have Team Canada taking on DDP and Monty Brown. DDP and Monty Brown have a mutual respect for each other after the three-way elimination matchup that they had at Turning Point. Nope, that was not the right event. It was actually Final Resolutions. There we go. Now I got it. Um, and these two are feuding with Team Canada, even though Scott Hall was the one that kind of instigated the first attack on Scott Hall, on Monty Brown, geez Louise, and Team Canada kind of joined in on it. But as we found out later, that Scott Hall had his contract bought out by Coach Demore, so Eric Young replaced him in the tag match. So Team Canada literally is facing off against DDP and Monty Brown. And this was a very interesting pairing of DDP and Monty Brown. I never thought that this match would be any so much good, but at the same time, you do have Eric Young and you do have Bobby Roode involved in there, and they are literally the two best stars in TNA, and this is another matchup that proves that. Uh, DDP, for some reason, he mentions the fact that he's done with the Outsiders, which was supposed to, I think, be something with Scott Hall, but... 
I think they wanted Scott Hall to take some time to just rest. He will not appear on TNA programming until about... It's going to be a while. It is going to be a while. So for those that might be wondering where Scott Hall is, he's uh, he's gone for a while. So we open up with an arm lock onto Eric Young by Monty Brown. And during this first two, maybe three minutes, uh, Monty Brown has this arm lock just locked in. Eric Young is doing everything he can to escape it. He's going over the top rope to break up for it, but Monty Brown pulls him back in the ring. He gets under the ropes, and he's out of the ring. He gets pulled back in. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is actually really entertaining. I like this. So we see some of that comedy style with Eric Young. Great to see that. Uh, Monty Brown and DDP honestly do work very well together as a team, where they're just beating them down. They get a couple of uh, tag team moves in, kind of the classic stuff. And we see DDP taking a little bit of control until uh, Eric Young stops him, and then Bobby Roode takes some control with the clothesline. We see eventually DDP, you know, take down Roode and Young, tag made to Bonnie Brown, who comes in like a house of fire, and it seems like he's able, to, he's going to go for that alpha bomb, but uh, Demore distracts the referee. Giant Divine passes Eric Young the. Hockey stick. They hit Monty Brown in the back of the head, and then you have Johnny Devine, Eric Young, Bob Rude. They're just beating down on Monty Brown. So he's kind of getting taken down a bit. Then they tag in DDP, who comes in like a house of fire, too. They have that really fun moment where they do the uh, double Irish whip, where they're making their opponents try to you know, hit each other. But then Team Canada reversed that. And it looks like DDP and Monty Brown are going to hit each other, but then they're able to just grab each other's arms, do a spin, and just take down Rude and Young. Uh, Monty Brown said that he really wanted to hit the pounce on Rude, and he does that here in this matchup. Hits it on him, knocked out of the ring. Young goes to the top rope, but he gets stopped. DDP hits a diamond cutter. One, two, three. At nine minutes and 43 seconds, DDP and Monty Brown pick up the victory. I give this one a B. It was one of those matches where it's not one of the better matches on the show, but it still showcases Team Canada as being just these dastardly heels. Eric Young's still being funny as hell. And I think this is one of the better showings with Monty Brown and DDP. So they really worked well together. That was really cool to see that. So we go backstage. Lawyers saying to Tracy and Trinity... Well, hey, did, uh, I don't know why I'm making him sound like Triple H, but, well, hey, did uh, Dusty sign off on that uh, paperwork? And Tracy and Trinity are like, no, you better get out. So they leave, and Trinity is like, well, I got your paperwork right here. She's going to go moon uh, dagger, but Tracy has the cowboy hat, and she covers Trinity's fan. He's like, like, have some class. And then Trinity makes this joke about rhyming class and ass. Just sometimes I really question wrestling. Just sometimes. But hey, we got something fun coming up here. We have the 30-minute Ironman match for the X Division Championship. We have Christopher Daniels taking on AJ Styles. So they mentioned the fact that this is not the first time that these two have met, but it's the first time that they're meeting in TNA. And to be honest, if that is the case, wow, what a way to showcase their first meeting. This was quite the sight to behold. So, yeah, no, let's kind of go into the X factors. I mentioned, of course, the first meeting in TNA. It's the Angels' Wings versus the Styles' Clash, which one would come out victorious. And then Iron Man and Rules, basically... Have to remember the fact that it's not the first pinfall or submission and you win. It's the person who has the most accumulated pinfall or submissions gets the victory. And honestly, people might ask, well, what about disqualifications and countouts? This is early TNA. They literally do not care. I'm being completely honest. Uh, we get some nice pin attempts early by Daniels and uh, AJ. Daniels dodges the drop kick that AJ just 
hits perfectly first time around. Daniels bounces off the ropes, but eats it the second time around. We get a nice head scissors on the outside by Styles to Daniels. Then get back in the ring. Styles is hitting some nice deep arm drags where he just nails the arm drag and then locks in the arm. Really cool. Uh, Daniels gets to the outside. It looks like Styles is going to go for the uh, springboard kind of like flying move on the outside. Looks like he's about to slip, but then he catches himself, goes back in the ring, goes up to the top rope again, hits it safely the second time, but he also it makes a really good like smack noise. So you definitely could tell that they had some major impact with these two. Uh, he looks to do the uh, springboard phenomenal forearm to Daniels, but Daniels is like, nope, I got a referee as a shield. So AJ's able to catch himself, goes back to the apron. Daniels then goes to the to AJ, hits him off of the apron. AJ goes into the guardrail, hits his ribs on there. And throughout the next while, Daniels focuses on the ribs with punches, with slams, with tackles. Hits an acai moonsault on uh, Styles on the inside. Those are kind of curious. It's going to be hard to explain, but I'm going to do my best. The acai moonsault is literally a moonsault where you're by the ropes, you jump up, your legs hit the top rope, and you're able to just do a uh, moonsault and nail your opponent in the ring. Uh, we get a little bit more focus on Daniels, but then AJ's able to hit the discus clothesline to get some momentum. Nice springboard backflip moonsault DDT. I know I said backflip and moonsault, which are the same thing, but sue me. We get the suplex neckbreaker. He goes for a 450 splash on Daniels, but Daniels is able to get the knees up. He hits the Angels' wings for the 1, 2, 3 at 14 minutes and 30 seconds. We see the first fall. So now it's literally 1, 0, and, Angels, and Daniels is in control. Codebreaker by Daniels to kind of continue that work on the chest and the ribs. Styles combats that. With a Spagingo back body drop. Daniels is able to reply with an abdominal stretch. More work done to the ribs. And then Styles, he hits the Tajiri elbow, which for those of you that might not know, literally he goes to the ropes. He does a handspring deal, rebounds off the ropes, and just leaps back, hits him with an elbow. It's amazing. If you've not seen that, look up Tajiri elbow. It's great. We see... Him hit a uh, tiebreaker, which is the fireman's carry to the knee, onto Daniels. Hits a phenomenal forearm. Uh, Daniels is able to hit a backflip reverse DDT of his own. He hits a blue thunder bomb, or as Mike Tanay called it, a blue thunder driver, which I think is even cooler. Uh, Pele kick by Styles. Daniels is able to hit a Samoan drop. He misses the BME. A German suplex by Styles, followed up by the angel wings of his own to Daniels for a near three count. AJ is able to counter a pickup attempt with a beautiful roll-up out of nowhere, pinning Daniels at 24 minutes. Daniels is now tied with AJ at one apiece. And we literally just see Daniels just yelling at AJ. He just wants to win this matchup. Uh, he knocks him out of the ring, grabs the belt, and he says, well, it's going to be mine. He throws AJ into the ring post, which busts him open. Uh, he gets some shots to the head of Styles, and Daniels licks the fist, <laughs> licks the blood off of his fist, because why not, you creepy bastard? Uh, an STO to Daniels. Styles and Daniels, they trade blows with each other until Daniels hits a reverse STO, locks in the Koji clutch, and we are down to the wire. Five, four, three, two, one. It ends in a draw. Or does it? Daniels, he grabs a mic. He's like, no, no, no. I had Daniels beat. Dusty, make this go to sudden death. I can beat him. I can beat him. Dusty comes out. He's like, so you want sudden death there, baby? Well, all right, you get sudden death. Go in there. And Daniels and Styles bat 
Daniels actually is on the complete offense in this. He hits a very unique neck breaker. He hits these moves that get close. Three counts. He puts AJ up to the top rope. And he's looking to hit a Frankensteiner, but Styles is able to grab the ropes. Daniels eats the canvas. Styles dives off the rope off the top, hits a springboard, head scissors, and then he's able to roll that into the Styles Clash for the one, two, three, sun death overtime. Styles has beaten Daniels to retain the X Division title at 31 minutes and 42 seconds. This was match of the night. This was an A matchup. This was an awesome matchup. The great storytelling that they told in the ring, the absolute physicality that they delivered to each other. Daniels definitely told a really great story of just how much he wanted that X Division title. It was just absolutely amazing. So if you ever want to see a great Ironman matchup, this is definitely one that I would put up there. We go backstage and... Jeff Jarrett is saying that he will win by any means necessary. Which leads to the main event. The NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Kevin Nash versus Jeff Jarrett. Nash wants the title because he knows that if he's the champion, it's going to be a bigger paycheck. And Jeff Jarrett wants to keep the title because it's his precious. I, that's literally what it is. Um, I do like the fact that it's a situation where Nash and Hall joined up with Jarrett to be the kings of wrestling. And it is literally like their egos were so big that they did not last even, feels like a month they didn't last. So we go into this and see here. The notes were that the NWA world title means cash, win by any means necessary, Use the guitar, you lose the title. Those were like the tag. I've already just described that so many times throughout that, so we already know. Uh, Jeff gets an early edge, but then Kevin Nash, he hits a snake guys onto the announcer's table. They fight backstage into the audience and then outside to the crowd where people were not able to get in. We see Jeff Jarrett get thrown by a table. He gets choked by a chair, just a lot of really It felt like this was their version of Triple H and Nash in 2003. And that's uh, <laughs> not exactly the best thing. Uh, Jeff Jarrett, he has a bag that he pulls out, and everybody's just like, oh, no, it's a guitar, it's a guitar. Jeff Jarrett pulls out a cello. Nice, nice. But it gets better, because as soon as he pulls that cello out, he holds it above his head, and it falls apart. <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, oh, wow, that's, uh, that's a thing. That just happened. So he takes the, the main part of the cello, the big wood base of it, hits Kevin Nash with it, and the referee's just like, no, you can't use that. You can't use that. It's like, oh, now you're enforcing weapons? Aren't illegal? What the hell? <laughs> I just don't understand this early TNA logic. It's literally like somebody doesn't know what wrestling's all about. Oh my gosh. So Jeff Jarrett, he works on the leg of Nash for the longest period of time. There's even a point where he puts the leg in the bag, the cello bag, and he uses it to weaken the leg because of reasons. Uh, Nash is able to hit a big boot, much like with Dustin earlier. There was uh, very little to no selling in that leg deal. Nash, he goes for the jackknife powerbomb, but Jared is holding on to one of his legs. And as Nash is picking up Jeff Jarrett's leg, he kind of twists, and Jeff hits um, the referee to knock him down. He gets Jeff up, hits a jackknife into the cello, and it looks like it's going to be over, but no, the referee's out. Then out comes a mystery man. Turns out to be Billy Gunn, a.k.a. Kip James, will be debuting here. And he's trying to cost uh, Kevin Nash the matchup. But we get a close three count there. And Jeff Jarrett is asking Kip to you know, help him out again. But out comes Mr. X-Pac, X-Pac, Sean Waltman himself, or as Don West calls him, Six-Pac. He comes in, he hits the Bronco Buster on Jeff Jarrett, 
hits the X factor, near three count again. We see Kip trying to help Jeff, but BG James comes out, and he's basically like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, Kevin Nash takes out Kip James. We see a belt shot to Kevin Nash by Jeff Jarrett. One, two, kick out. He hits Nash with the stroke. One, two, kick out. Oh, my God, just end. We see Jeff Jarrett go to the top rope. Nash grabs him by the throat. Looks like he's going to hit him with a chokeslam. Push, Jeff pushes the referee. Hits Nash with a low blow. Hits a stroke. One, two, three. Mercifully, it's over at 19 minutes and 45 seconds. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I really... This moment had gleams of good, mainly because you have Kip James and Sean Waltman coming into this. So I liked that. But other than that, this match just was a cluster mess. Just It was rough to watch. I gave it a C. It's not the worst matchup of the night, but it definitely was one of those things where it's like all these random things that are being incorporated just do not make any sense and they do not help at all tell the story of this entire me- deal. And it's kind of one of those things where it's like I'm kind of wanting the reign of Jeff Jarrett to be over now. I, I really do, but I know that I have to wait quite a while before that can happen because, you know, the reasons because there's we need punishment for this. Just <sighs> I just made myself sad. I'm sorry. So overall, this event I gave it a B. It was still a really good show, regardless of the fact that a couple matches here and there were kind of rough to watch, despite the main event having a huge cluster finish. Uh, you can't deny the fact that there were some great matches, including the heart, the Full Metal Mayhem matchup, the NWA World Tag Team titles, and the X Division title matches were just absolutely fun. P.D. Williams and Skipper had a great match to start off the show. Uh, yeah, other than the other few matches, you know, couple like one like one tag match was rough to watch. Um, the oh my gosh, the like I said, the the Dustin uh, the Dustin Raven match was the rough one, and I know that they're going to have a rematch at, at Destination X. So I think that before we call this an episode, I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a preview of what you can expect come Destination X 2005. Uh, honestly, I do like the promotional poster that they have here, which is literally it's got DDP on there. And for those of you who are curious, yes, he will be in this event. It will be uh, Diamond Dallas Page challenging Jeff Jarrett for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in a ringside revenge match. Very curious to see how that's going to be like. Uh, We do have the Ultimate X uh, challenge. I unfortunately misspoke. I thought it was a number one contender's Ultimate X match. That is not the case. It's actually going to be a four-way for the... Uh, for the uh, X Division title. So you have uh, Styles will be defending against Ron Killings, Elix Skipper, and Christopher Daniels. You also have uh, Jeff Hardy versus Abyss in a Falls Count Anywhere matchup. That actually looks like it's going to be a fun match. Um, Kip James, a.k.a. The Outlaw, is going to take on Kevin Nash in a first blood matchup. Uh, Monty Brown versus Triton. Well, that'll be interesting. Uh, Dustin Rhodes and Raven will be facing against each other in a Texas bull rope match. Uh, let's see if there's any other ones. Oh, Team Canada will be taking on uh, Three Life Crew and America's Most Wanted. That'll be a nice fun one. And, oh, yep, like I said, I did say that there was going to be a uh, so, some continuation, continuity to the whole Tracy and Trinity deal. Here it is. It's a tag team matchup. Uh, where the winner will be the personal assistant to Dusty Rhodes. Uh, Phi Delta Slam uh, with Trinity in their corner will be taking on the Disciples of Destruction. Oh boy, I am uh, I'm very curious to see how this matchup goes. I just, oh boy. 
I <laughs> I don't have regrets about doing these. It's just some of these matches, I just look on paper and it's like, this is not going to be a fun match to watch. But you know what? I'm going to stay optimistic because some of these matches that I thought were going to be rough to watch actually turned out to be good. I mean, like I said, at the final resolutions, I thought the three-way elimination match was a weird concept, but it made for a fun match. So maybe I'll be surprised. Just never know. So with that being said, I have been Nate the F and Great. You can follow me on social media on Instagram as well as on the Twitter at Real F and Game. You can also follow me on the Game Changer podcast where I've talked about social uh, social media. Jeez Louise, I, I don't want to talk about social media, and especially not in wrestling, where I talk about uh, pop culture. There we go. I know words. Movies, wrestling, just about anything. Uh, definitely check out WrestleAtic Radio on our huge array of podcasting platforms. I mean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, you name it, we're pretty much on it. And definitely check out some of the other shows, you guys. I mean, Young Lions Perspective, WrestleMania, and the Kings of the Rings podcast, all absolutely amazing. And we're going to be coming up on the 300th episode of King of the Rings. King Kings of the Rings. Jeez, the Kings of Jeez. I know words. I just can't say them right. English is not my first language, so sue me. <laughs> so, with that being said, definitely check out everybody at WrestleAtic Radio. Uh, main way is to check out our Twitter handle at Attic underscore Wrestle, and there will be a link there that will get you to all of our great ways of you know communicating us through social media listening to our podcast as well as a link to our merchandise store which you can check out every single bit of merchandise we have things from shirts to blankets to tumblers to water bottles to hats you name it we literally have it i mean there's literally a brace for impact blanket and i'm kind of tempted to get it that is how cool it looks. So that has been Brace for Impact. I've been your host, Nate the and Great. TNA, total nonstop action. It's still fun to me, even through some of the bad times. And wrestling can be that fun as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to me rant and ramble about random things. Uh, if you have any questions that you'd like for me to answer on next week's episode, I can definitely take some time to answer any of your questions you have. Feel free to message me. Uh, privately on my DMs at Real F and Game, or check or check out Instagram where you can follow me there as well. Uh, yeah, no, definitely send me any wrestling related questions that you might have. Maybe some topics you would like for me to discuss, and I'll be more than happy to answer them as best as I can. So that being said, have a good one, you guys. Enjoy your weekends. Enjoy your week, whatever. Have a good one. Stay positive. Stay focused. And I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Have a good one, guys. Bye.